blessed, and you have that assurance, you can, like that song says, say that it is well with your soul. Amen. I'm thankful. thankful for that and for all those good songs that we've sung, songs of the faith that we've sung through the years, uh, biblical songs, but God has given uh, these songwriters. Um, you know, it's not just... Uh, it's got some deeper meaning. It's got some scriptural meaning. It's got some doctrine doctrine in them, and not uh, as Brother Hollis put it. And others put it: Seven Eleven songs, seven words on the screen. You sing eleven times. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we sing it out of the song books. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad we got some new ones coming. Amen. Hallelujah. So, all right. Ephesians chapter 5, right, so we're going to be in all kinds of Ephesians, but <laughs> we're going to start in a 5. I'm going to read the first 18, yeah, let me think, 18 verses, nope, first 20 verses, 19, 21 verses, there we go. I'm going to get on the wives and the husbands tonight, this morning, but it's in there, and uh, there's some bees in there too, and the Chapter 6 as well, and I'm going to belabor that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. <clears throat> Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved, hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, let it, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for, we, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For, what, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in, the heart, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the, fear of, in the fear of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for those that are here. Uh, Lord, even those that come not feeling well, but uh, Lord, come on anyway, feeling it's just a, 
a minor cold or something that they can deal with here, and we thank you for that. We, uh, that they're here, pray that you give healing to them. Pray for those that are not here, Miss Myra, the Huffman family, and others uh, that may be sick, that sickness has kept them out, Brother Crow, uh, the, the weakness that's in his body, give grace to him this morning, and Sister Crow, as she uh, cares for him, I pray and ask that you would just lift them up and help them in these days. I pray, Lord, for uh, the services this morning. Thank you, Lord, that Brother and Sister Hall were able to come. And uh, as he's mentioned, uh, Lord, continue to touch and give strength and help and grace to them uh, in these days. In the days to come, I pray, Lord, for my dad. Give him grace in these, this time of his life. And uh, be with those that care for him. And I pray and ask that you will strengthen me and give me utterance, Lord. As we read here in this, in this book, Lord, as Paul prayed for utterance, I pray that you give me utterance and boldness. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen and amen. All right, so again, uh, I like a King, I'm sorry, I like, I, I, I didn't mean to say King James Bible. King James, but I like a Schofield Bible. When I graduated from high school, uh, there was about four of us, I think. Yeah, four of us that was graduating that year. And our church bought us all Bibles. That's a pretty good thing to do. But they bought us all Schofield Bibles. I didn't know what a school, I mean, I didn't, just a, I was just, you know, it was a Bible. I mean, I didn't understand the Schofield study system or anything about Schofield. It's the first time I ever seen one, probably when they gave it to me for graduation. Uh, but through the years, you know, one thing about the Schofield, whether, whether I use my wide margin or whether I use this size or I've got a handy size or I've got a small New Testament, the way that the, the, the Schofield system is, and especially now that it's you know, I mean, even out of copyright, they have put everything, in, it's, all, it's always going to be the same spot. So once you get used to a Bible that way, then it's easy to find things. I, I can't remember the reference, but I know it's in Ephesians on this side and this column about halfway down the page. And so I like that part about it, and uh, one thing or another, but... And I know Brother Hall through the years has used the Schofield Bible at times. He's used other Bibles too. And I've got, uh, had other Bibles. But I like the Schofield for that reason. I know where things are. But I don't like Schofield Bibles, I pointed out to you before, because sometimes Mr. Schofield puts his little notes and separates up sentences. And people will read the verses without looking at the punctuation at the end. And you know that's a hobby horse of mine. And uh, it's funny because some of, it's, it's all rubbed off on some of you because I hear you teaching now and you'll say, until the end of the sentence, I say, I don't know where you got that from. So anyway, but uh, this is one of them. Verse number, verse number 18 and verse number 21. And Mr. Schofield has got like two different little things in there that a lot of times keeps people from reading it as a sentence. And too many times, because of the Schofield notes in his system there, they want to put 21 with verse 22. And, and a lot of people want to read it because of the division there. They want to read it to where the husbands and wives submit one to another. It doesn't say that. It says, wives submit to your husbands, verse 22. This is just on the side. Um, but 21 is referring to each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ, each other as the body, because it goes with 18, 19, and 20. Let's read that together, one sentence. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms 
in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things and to God and, to, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. One sentence. Keep them together. Even if you use a Schofield Bible. <laughs> Keep them together. That's one sentence. And so as I was, as I was directed to this scripture and on about being filled with the Spirit, uh, I went back to get the context, and I read, started in verse 1 of chapter 1, read, reading through Ephesians, and as I was reading down through there, just something that I just didn't pay attention to in the, in the past when I've read it, but is you have to really kind of take a, uh, uh, give, give way to understanding on Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, but as you read down through Ephesians, there's times that he is speaking collectively. He's speaking to the church as a whole. And then there's a transition where he's speaking to each individual members of the body. And he's dealing with each of us individually and how we ought to walk individually. But then keep in mind that as an individual, you are a member of the whole body. And so as you read Ephesians in the future in your study, kind of have that mindset. Is, Paul, is what he's saying here talking about to the body as a whole or talking about me as an individual? And then how I fit into the body, my member, whether you're a pinky or a thumb or a big toe, as a member of the body, where you fit in. But... but as he speaks to individuals, we can all take individuals. We can all take what he's way he speaks and apply it, and hopefully learn and grow thereby. I don't know, brother Alls here, and you hear me reference him often. I sat under him for a long time, and I've already told you when I first moved to, and I know that brother Shepherd also has gone through it, and I sat under brother Shepherd when he went through it, uh, went through uh, Matthew chapter five and the Beatitudes, but. It was not too long. I moved to uh, Madisonville, Kentucky in, in September, uh, October of 91. And um, it wasn't too long after that that Brother Hall preached through the Beatitudes there in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And when Brother Hall uh, preached out of the Beatitudes, one of the things that he, and I've, I've remembered it all these years, um, one of the things that he brought out was you are not going to get to the end uh, of that, uh, that reference there, you're not going to get to uh, the point of, um, let me find it here, absolutely, uh, blessing them that persecute you, <laughs> uh, let's see, but I say love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that which despitefully use you and, cur and uh, use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. You're not going to get to there, he said, until you've accomplished these others. He said, like a ring in a, a rung on a ladder, it starts out with the other the other part, and uh, going up through there. And you're not going to get to the one until you, there we go, there we go, verse number 12. I was too far in, but I mean, there's that too. But verses 11 and 12, 
No, verses 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. I knew I was looking for the blessings ours. And he says, you're not going to get there at the top of the rung of the ladder until you understand what blessed are the poor in spirit means. And so on and so forth. So it goes down through there. And I've always remembered that when it comes to, you know, building one upon the other. And, and how that God often uses as, you know, we as children of the Lord, how he often operates that way. He doesn't expect the latest, the newest children of God in our assembly would be Josh and Jennifer. They were saved since we've been here in the last four years. He doesn't expect them... He doesn't expect Josh, who was the last one saved, he doesn't expect Josh to get up and expound John chapter 17 like Brother Glenn did this morning. We don't, we grow. It is a growing process. You know, you start out with the sincere milk of the word. You start out with milk. You don't, you don't, my, my, I had a great nephew born this past week. My brother's, you know, he's, He's liking his new grandson, and he sent pictures. Um, so he's got him up on his shoulder, and he has this look on his face. And I know, I know, I know that look. I know that feeling inside your bosom when you kind of got that bundle right here, and it's just, and he smells good sometimes. It's when they're smelling good, when they're smelling good, and they're good and warm, and all that other good stuff that comes along with these little babies. But they didn't bring him home to Texas and give him a Texas-sized steak. They didn't go down to Bucky's and get some of that brisket and try to feed that baby. No, it don't work that way. He's got to grow. <laughs> He's got to get some teeth. And it's the same way with the children of God. We've got to grow. But anyway, that premise being said, based on our growth, just like in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, I had that in my mind when I read, Be ye filled with the Spirit. Again, he's talking to individuals here as I was looking here in, in Ephesians. We're going to go back because there's some other bees here in the Word of God, here in Ephesians actually, that we're not going to get to the place where we are filled with the Spirit until we take care of some of these other things that's prior to this. And so with that kind of mindset and with that concept, we're going to go back to chapter number 1 here in a minute. But, uh, and we're going to look at some things that we as children and we as a church need to set in our lives to be able to get to the place where we are filled with the Spirit. Before we do that, though, I do want to point out that <coughs> here in our text, there are some um, mani manifestations of being filled with the Spirit. Manifestations of being filled with the Spirit, but be ye filled with the Spirit, semicolon. Some things are going to happen when you're filled with the Spirit. You're going to speak to yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You're going to get away from, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to get away from those fleshly songs. 
making melody in your heart, it should, it should, it should, uh, it should excite your heart before it excites your foot and your hips. Amen. Those kind of songs. When, when peace, like a river, we understand. When we sing that song, you know, it it, it causes our mind, our hearts to do something. We understand, and I mentioned blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Woo! I mean, it's, it's unfathomable. He is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. Brother Glenn talked about it, about that millennial reign. Just a foretaste of the glory divine. I, I, I don't understand the millennial reign. It says he's going to rule with a rod of iron, and I'm going to rule and reign with him, and you as a believer are going to rule and reign with him, and we're going to be priests. What? I mean, I just... And kings, right? I don't understand it, but I'm, I, I'm up for it. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know how it's all going to happen in for a thousand years. Because, you know, three score and ten, everything beyond that, 70 years is grace. And some are just beyond grace. Others are well beyond grace. <laughs> but it's grace nonetheless. And 70 years in, com in comparison to a thousand years, wow. And then eternity happens after that. Wow, what a blessing. When time shall be no more. I don't understand it all, but I'm up for it. I'm glad I'm going to be part of it, hallelujah, as a child, as a child of God. But again, being filled with the Spirit will cause you to sing the right song. And then being filled with the Spirit will cause you to give thanks. Because after, in your heart to the Lord, another semicolon, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being filled with the Spirit, be thankful because we, being filled with the Spirit, will help us understand that we are absolutely nothing and nobody and without Him. Like the different preachers through the years have talked about being, being in hell with our back broke, our neck broke, we've heard being in hell with our back broken, wearing a pair of gasoline britches. I mean, there's what we deserve. But when we're filled with the Spirit, not only we're singing, but we're speaking. I mean, we are giving thanks always. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. Always. For all things. Unto God and, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we realize, like was well pointed out in the Sunday school, is we realize that we can't come to the Father except by the Son. And that's why we're giving thanks to Him, but it's by the Lord Jesus Christ, because without Him we could do nothing. Without Him giving the sacrifice that He's getting ready to, to, to give in John, in, in the Sunday school hour, as He's leading up to the cross... In our study in the Sunday school, and in John, he's trying to tell the, the apostles, the disciples, <coughs> look, I must needs go to Jerusalem. Well, we're going to go up there and you're going to die. That's exactly right. I must needs. That is the lot that's fallen on me. That is the cup that I've got to drink of. 
Did the the disciples understand that? No. Far be it from you, Lord. But Christ took that cup. He knew that he had to take that cup. And so when we get a grasp of everything that we are, have, uh, the experiences of life that's been positive, then we can give thanks all for all, uh, always for all things. Because, and, and again, that's a result of being spirit-filled. Now, just a little indendum here. Because I've got extended family that's throwed up that wine part. It says, be not, okay, that's, that's easy enough, be not drunk with wine. What part of that don't you understand? <laughs> well, I can drink a little wine and, uh, and uh, not get drunk. No, I didn't want to say it. Be not drunk with wine. And, and it says that wherein is excessive. And that's why the King James is so important. And the way that King James is worded is so important. Because apparently some of these other versions, perversions, they want to rearrange that because the, the family, extended family member, I'm pointing to where he's at, <laughs> the extended family member said... It says, it does, it says, be not drunk or don't drink wine in excess. No, that ain't what it says. That word wherein is very important in that verse. Wherein goes back to the wine. In wine is where excess is at. And I've heard preachers testify that has been was given to that before salvation. They said you get the Friday paycheck and before you went to the bank or you went to the bank and before you went home and handed it to your wife so she could go out and buy groceries, you stopped at the watering hole. And you go in and you drink, oh, we're just going to drink one and somebody buys you another one and the next thing you know, you're buying rounds for the whole place and your paycheck's gone. Why? Because in wine is excess. You're going, to, you're going to excessively spend. You're going to excessively give what you ain't really got to give. You're going to excessively beat your wife. You're going to excessively thump your children. Not proper discipline where you explain to them that you're disciplining them in love, the reason that when you, what, what offense that they, you know, that they committed and that discipline has to be, and you're doing it in love, and it's hurting you because it is, and they don't understand that. It is hurting you more than it's hurting them because it's hurting their flesh, which is just going to last a little while, but it's hurting you in your heart. It's not that kind of discipline where you give them a few licks, they cry, they understand, and so on and so forth. No, because if you get drunk... You're going to take it excessively. That's where the abuse comes in. See, that excess there, that's a, that's a key word in that verse. And it's a key word to understand, and it's a key word to know 
that, that wine, and we might as well just throw on all the other alcoholic beverages in there, will cause excess. I've been in those homes as a child, seeing what excess that's in the strong drink, that's in the wine, that's in the beer, that's in the liquor, what excess causes the hurt, the, the um, lack of things. Because, you know, he's excessively happy. Well, yeah, he's excessively ha- happy that he spent all of his paycheck on rounds for everybody until it's gone. And now the bills are not being paid, so now you're being evicted from your rental house. Kids are not being fed. Kids are not being clothed. That's what that stuff does. And again, that's a little side message. But we're to be filled with the Spirit. And again, that, it says be. I looked at the word be. Be, as far as a part of speech goes, is an uh, intransitive verb, which means that it doesn't require a direct object. Yeah, oh, that's what it is. Y'all for them, okay, that makes sense now. All right, well, I heard it last night going, what is that? All right, so be an intransitive verb. It doesn't have a, a direct object. And he goes on, you know, in, in one of the things, of course, the, you know, the past participle is being, and the present part, I'm sorry, the present participle is being, and the past participle is being, so be, being, being. But it, uh, the sense is to stand, to remain or be fixed, hence continue. And the first definition over a long period in Webster's was to be fixed, to exist, to have a real state or existence for a longer or shorter time. And he gives the reference in, in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. To be fixed, our mind to have a real state or existence in. Again, going back to a stand or to remain fixed or to continue in. Now let's put that back in to be filled. He says be filled. So in that sense, the word be, because of the word be, is to continue to be fixed in, to all the time be filled with. Are we there? No. I dare say we're not. We're all the time indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, thank God, for that gift. But apparently, we're not all the time filled with the Spirit of God like we should be because otherwise Paul wouldn't be writing that to the Ephesian church. He's telling the church, or he's telling the individuals in the church, be filled with the Spirit. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. So again, to be fixed, to to continue in, to have that real state of existence in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, which would cause a lot of things. It would cause our, and we're going to see this, it's going to cause our walk to be right, our light to be right, our, all these things to be right. 
Because when we have, when we are filled, not indwelled with, but when we are filled with the Spirit, then there's going to be some manifestations that will come out of us that will be spiritual, that will be Christ-like, that will manifest, hey, there's something different about that person. He walks different. He talks different. He looks different. <coughs> and you're going to see that. Now let's go back. So, hold back up. So, let me do this. So the Holy Spirit is associated with oil in God's Word. And I've seen a little something and read it, and that's kind of what prompted, uh, it's actually with the virgins, but we're going to look, I looked at it beyond that. The Holy Spirit associated with oil in God's Word represented, representing anointing. An anointed individual is set apart like David was anointed to be king of Israel. We are set apart, a holy people in salvation, and as members of Christ's body, the church. We're set apart. So like that anointing oil and having the Spirit of God in us anointed, we're set apart. They should see something different in us. Why? Because we're filled with the Spirit. And then I've got, for reference sake, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. For to one is given by the Spirit of the Word of wisdom, to another the Word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another... Uh, so, back up. So, that the anointing is also represents healing, and there's where I wanted to get to. Gifts of healing by the Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse tongues of diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So, anointing represents healing. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So it represents the anointing of, for healing. The oil represents the Spirit of God in the fact of the anointing part. Represents the oil represents in the Word of God the Spirit of God as in the parable of the ten virgins. Virgins represents the lighting our way. Five were foolish, five were not foolish. The five were not foolish had oil. And I know there's a lot of preaching in that, but just lighting your way. The Holy Spirit, in this sense, lights the believer's way by guiding into all truth. John chapter 16, we were just there. Verse number 13, he guides us into all truth. Ephesians 5, 7 through, uh, well, we, we, we read it in our text here, 7 through 10. Be ye not therefore partakers of, with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So the Spirit lights our way, that anointing of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit lights our way, but then you're, I'm getting ahead of myself, in turn causes us to be light. If we're filled, there's a difference. They're going to see a difference. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to be a Christian and, and just show up to church and 
And that's about it. I'm in. But you're not all the way in. Kind of like the children, uh, Ephraim, and half tribe of Manasseh. Yeah, we'll go in and help you take the promised land, but that's not where we want to live. I don't want the fullness of the land. I don't want the milk and honey. I don't want the, 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 the upper and the nether springs. The fullness of the land of the promises of God, I don't want that. I'm just glad to be a child of a children of Israel. I'm glad to be in the tribe, but I'm going to live over here in the wilderness on the fringe. And there's so many people that's like that. Today, I remember bowing my head, repenting of my sin, Lord save me, but that's as far as I want to go. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. But there's so much more in him. There's so much more in the children for a child of God. But you've got to be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> and being filled with the Spirit, you're going to be light. You see, it says right here, you're also going to be light, as it says in Matthew 5. Ye are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may get, see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How is your light going to shine brightly? By being filled with the Spirit. See how that works? He guides you into truth, and then in turn, you're going to light men's other way. You're going to go out with the gospel and say, hey, the, you know, this is what you need. We're going to tell the truth. He guides in all truth, and him being filled with the Spirit are going to share the truth with others. That, hey, you, we're all sinners. <laughs> But like he said this morning, but I got some good news. You don't have to die and go to hell. God made a way through Jesus Christ. And it's easier to do when you're filled with the Spirit. You're sensitive to the Spirit. I, I reached in here earlier, and I seen that I had a track. And, and this, I got all kinds of stuff in all the different suit jackets of mine. But you got some track. I, lots of times I carry, I need to reload my, my this is my, Pocket office, as you can tell, it's almost the end of the year. <laughs> but normally I have a two or three tracks here in my calendar because I always have my calendar with me when I don't always have pockets. Plus it keeps it reasonably, reasonably un, uh, crinkle-free. But I've got, I got my track in my pocket. Now I can be on the fringe. I can be just... Just on the other side of Jordan kind of Christian. I mean, in the wilderness side of Christian, you know, wilderness side of Jordan Christian, and not be, not be sensitive to the Spirit, not be led by the Spirit. My light is very dim. Or I can be filled with the Spirit, be sensitive to the Spirit. So the Spirit maybe has been working in somebody's life. Maybe there's been a tragedy in somebody's life, and you don't know nothing about it. But you're so in tune to him, he says, see that person over there? Go hand him a track. Don't, don't, and without question, we just listen and we obey. And we go and say, here, God told me to give this to you. I want to invite you to church. And you strike up a conversation. And I say, you know, I've been thinking about things like this. 
Or I, we just were going through some thing, and, and maybe, but again, being sensitive to his guidance. Because you're filled with the Spirit. So many times our, our spirit feeling wanes. And we, we, we get away and we don't, we're not as sensitive to him. So, so as the ten virgins, so we, we have to be our light. And then Hebrews 1, another, another thing that oil does is gladness. It makes, it makes us joyful if we're filled with the Spirit. Hebrews 1, 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee. There's that anointing again. It speaks of the Spirit. Even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above all fellows. There's just something about our demeanor when we're filled with the Spirit that's different. Sad sack. I don't know if there's a cartoon about that. And there's just people that I work with even that just, I don't think that they've got a good word to say about anything, ever. And they're so hard to be around. Whew. They're so hard to be around. But we should be different. In fact, when we're in, the, in, in amongst them, they, you know, just, I mean, not walking in and, holding the King James Bible under their nose throughout your day because you're working a secular job. You've got to do your secular job. But just being there and being the light and being glad, being filled with the Spirit, they will see something in you that when something happens, they're going to come to you and say, will you pray for me? Why do they do that to you and not the rest of the people in the office? Because they see something in you because you're filled with the Spirit. That's you. So Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll turn back there, we're going to look at these other bees. We're not going to get to be filled with the Spirit until we have some of these other bees here in Ephesians. And again, that is a state that is, you know, to be or not to be. That is the question, right? <laughs> a state of being a, to be fixed as what was uh, the, uh, where's my definition? There we go. To be, to be, to, to stand, to remain, or be fixed, hence to continue. Hebrews 1, verse number 4. Let me see here, make sure that I'm reading the sentence. Verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us, in him before the foundation of the world that we should be. What should we be? Holy. And without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the goodwill of his pleasure. He says right there, we should be Holy, he has chosen us. There's an anointing. Just like David. Uh, Jesse, you have any other sons? I mean, before that, surely he's the anointed one. Look at him, his stature. I mean, he's a man's man. And I'm paraphrasing there. But we look on the outward, and that, but that wasn't who God chose. And he went through all the sons of Jesse, and he says, Jesse, you got any more? 
This is why youngest is out keeping the sheep. Bring him. When he comes in, he looks at him. It's like, ruddy, young. God said, that's the one. And we, we, is it Ezekiel? We could go back to Ezekiel, I believe it is, when, when they found Israel as, a, as a, an infant that was just birthed with the navel still attached, cast aside, polluted in their own blood. That's what we need to see ourselves as, as a sinner. And like that text of Scripture, what Christ or God done for Israel who picked them up, swaddled them, cleaned them up, decked them out, and made Israel what God made Israel, how, what he done for us in salvation. And, and, and what he's saying there is exactly that. You know, he said, <clears throat> Blessed be the God of our Father, uh, uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We need to see ourselves in, and just remember back when he, said, when he said, such were some of you, but now you're washed. We had to be washed too. We had to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ in heaven. But before that, we, like Israel, were polluted. But when we get saved, oftentimes we don't understand the fullness of what God saved us from. And, and the, the dirtiness and the awfulness of sin. And then he's talking to the Ephesian church and said, look, you need to pay attention here. If you can bless the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us, anointing us, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, he knew that we would be saved. He knew that we were one of those that God had given Christ, if you're saved today. And when you get that realization that he sent people your way he, he, with a gospel message at the right time and then the Holy Spirit dealt with you, when you get a hold of that, all that he done prior to your salvation, when you get saved and you see all that, then... You know, that we should be holy. When we understand that, we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You're not going to be filled. The Spirit of God is indwelling you, but you're not going to be filled with the Spirit of God if you're unholy. And there's so much in that. We, we read it in our studies. In Peter, be ye holy, for I am holy. Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Look, you've been changed. Don't fashion yourself the way you used to be. He's got something planned. He wants something better for you. 
but, but as he which is called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Because he is holy, I am I'm to be holy, because the Holy Spirit indwells me, and I'm commanded to be filled with his Spirit, then I need to be holy to be filled. Because there's other texts of Scripture talking about grieving the Holy Spirit, which indwells me, and quenching the Holy Spirit, which indwells me. And the, one of the very first things that will grieve or quench the Holy Spirit is for me to be unholy. Brother Hall, I know he's here, but we just had this conversation. I like <clears throat> when we, we drove him to <coughs> Kentucky, and then while we were <clears throat> in Kentucky over the holidays, and since he's been in my home, there are little things that keeps getting brought up, just memories. Thank God for memories. I've heard him testify. He's a preacher. God called a preacher. He went to a camp meeting in Greer, South Carolina. He testifies he wanted more of God. He wanted a feeling. And he said, I went up, and they, had, they put up the sawdust on the, on the floor of the, of the tent. There's a tent meeting, put sawdust, and he says he was praying for a feeling of the Spirit of God. And he said he felt the Spirit say, do you want? He goes, then bury your face a little farther in these sawdust. And he wasn't, you know, he humbled himself to the point where his nose was touching the ground, sawdust. And he said, God done something for him in that meeting. <clears throat> Is it some supernatural? I think that we've got the formula right here. We've got to get out, get rid of some things, examine ourselves, put off some things, all through Paul's writings, put off these things and put on these things. Put these things away from you and take these things to you. Ephesians 5, verse 7. Let's just read on. Verse number C. Verse number 5, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Am I in the right place? Let me see here. Oh, yeah. There we go. Five, seven. All right. In whom... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Oh, there's where I'm wrong. Okay, back up. Yeah, there's where I'm wrong. Let me just finish reading this. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, <coughs> even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh 
all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should, here it is, be all that ahead of us, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, there's a whole lot there before verse number 12. I mean, and we need to get a hold of that. He abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. All right? That, uh, that uh, let's see here. And then verse number 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Now, I had to, that, that we be to the praise of his glory was an odd phrase, and I looked at a commentator on it. John Gill said, and he gives two different versions. You can pick one. All right, John Gill says, and I appreciate it just happened what Brother Glenn said about the, the whole Calvinist, and he, I'm, I'm not believing in that because he done dealt with it and he did a good job. But John Gill says, because he already mentioned predestination there, John Gill said that we should be to the praise of his glory. This is the end of predestination to the inheritance. And the sense is either, so there's two versions here, either that the praise of the glory of God in his grace and goodness might be discovered and made known unto his saints as it is displayed in election, redemption, justification, pardon, adoption, regeneration, and eternal salvation. So in other words, when we, his saints, can get a hold of all that he's done for us, that, we, that, that it might be discovered and made known to the saints all that he's done for us to the praise of his glory. Or, the other side of it, or that they should praise and glorify him on account of these things by ascribing all to his grace and nothing to themselves, by giving him thanks for all the, his benefits, by ordering their uh, con, uh, conversations aright as, to become, as become the gospel, and by doing all things with a view to his glory. Either way, Paul himself had to understand these things. He said that he was, a, he was uh, let me hear, I got it right here somewhere. Where is it? All right. Um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles. I am not meet to be called an apostle because I, I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So oftentimes, just like that, to whatever that, to the, that we should be to the praise of his glory, <clears throat> we're going to have to realize some things. Paul did. He said, I am the least among all brethren. He also said he was the chief of sinners. Verse, and 1 Timothy 1.15 this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Paul felt that way about himself. But Paul had a pedigree. We dealt with that in the past. Paul had a pedigree that he could glory in. But he said, nope, 
I'm a chief of sinners and I'm the least among the brethren. But I am what I am by the grace of God. Or by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yeah, by the grace grace of God, I am what I am. So when we can get to that place where we see ourselves where God picked us up from and we realize like Paul that we are nothing and nobody, the least among the brethren, the chief of sinners, and then, then we can be to the praise of his glory because he gets all the glory. And then again, we want to be filled with the Spirit of God. We've got to be holy. We've got to realize all that what God has done for us to the praise of his glory, be to the praise of his glory. And then Ephesians chapter 3. We'll skip chapter 2 here. Ephesians chapter 3. <coughs> And, wow, these sentences here. All right, verse number one. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power." But there in verse number 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. So, and partakers. So, fellow heirs and of the same body partakers. And of the same bodies in a, in a little phrase by itself. But we should be fellow heirs and partakers of what? Of the promise in Christ by the gospel. Of his promise. Again, a lot of it is, is understanding, again, who he's talking to. I think this is the church and all that he dealt with in Galatians about the whole Jewish and thing and the circumcision thing. And, and Paul, you know, he's writing to the Gentiles and he's saying, look, you can be partakers of this. You're an heir. You're a fellow heir. And again, that should be to the praise of his glory. Going back to the last one, we should be understanding that we're an heir of God woo, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 8. And all that's coming to us, what a blessing that that is. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, because we're going to see another V in verse number 10. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is given this grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which, what, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So we're to know some things. All these things are to be known. The intent is to be known by the church. 
He's given us the scriptures. And we're not to just lay it aside Monday through Friday and not ever get in it. Or, you know, I mean, we're to be doers of the word, hearers of the word, doers of the word, not hearers only. We're to, to study the word, to show ourselves approved to God. All these things. And we're to know him. And the more we know about him, the more that we could understand and have the desire to be filled with the Spirit of God so that he can work in us and through us. And if we will just, and it goes, all of this goes back a whole lot to prior to the preaching, prior to our revival, all these last four years, is <laughs> to be wholly yielded unto him and not grieve him and not quench him, but allow him to work in us and through us and by us. He's a spirit. People can't hear him. They hear us. The spirit uses our feet. The spirit uses our hands to do the work. Verse number five, he gave some apostles for the work of the ministry. All that stuff. We're going to see. But the spirit works in us and out of us. We talk about the Spirit of God being in our church services. I've heard we got to come in not grieving and not quenching, but to allow Him to flow through us in our services. Verse number 14. Let's jump over there. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that we should that He should grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And if we're strengthened by his spirit, we're to be strengthened. So B also has an as a has a has a, a, a connotation of us doing something about it. Be filled. Be strengthened. Be holy. Well, who's, who's working in being all that? We are. Again, we're seeking him. We are laying ourselves bare before him. We're asking him to show us anything that's in our lives that grieves him or quenches him or is not pleasing to him. That goes back to be holy. And when he strengthened us, verse number 18, or that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able <laughs> to comprehend <clears throat> with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye may, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Aren't we going somewhere with this? Who's the fullness of God? Wouldn't you say the indwelling Holy Spirit is in us? But if we keep him suppressed and we keep him down, but if we will understand all these things that he's done for us, everything that he's brought us from, everything that he's brought us to, and we get a hold of that, we able to, we're able to comprehend these things, then we will be able to comprehend all these things that we might be filled, that the Spirit of God might be filled in us. <laughs> it says the fullness of God. He indwells us, but the fullness. Uh, who was it? Oh, Brother Daniel Goodman uh, on his social media. 
he, he, he had this little thing, and he said, but in his own words, he said, I feel full today. He had that fullness feeling. He's not mully grubbing around, not disheartened. You can go out on Monday morning after a good day at the house of God where you get filled with the Spirit of God, and you can go out, and you just it's just brighter. You're ready for the week. I understand about getting beat down by the end of the week and you're ready for another refilling at the house of God. I get that. <clears throat> but if we exercise this daily in our lives, we seek him, we seek to be filled by him, then we should be full every day. I can name a name. Everybody in here, well, most everybody in here knows him. And, and you would all probably agree with me that if anybody, I've, I've, you know, just a lot of things about him, if anybody's got a, a right to mully grub around, you'd think that he would. But I, I, I'd say that he is full of God. And I say that every time that I've been around him, he expresses the fullness of God in his life. And that man is Albert Harden. I seen him took care, take care of his, his wife with Alzheimer's. You know, there was times uh, that he, you know, he would leave her just to run into a store, leave her in the car with the heat on or with the air conditioner on. So she wouldn't have to, she wouldn't have to take, he was just going to go in for some little something. But in her Alzheimer's, she hit the door, the lock, the door lock. And then he spends a whole lot of time trying to get her just to push unlock the door and let him in because the key's in it and it's running. I've seen him take care, graciously take care of his wife. And then when his wife died in a house fire, he would go for morning walks and best that they can tell, she probably in her dementia put something on the stove and caught the house on fire and died in that house fire. I seen the, the little local news clip this house fire and this woman that passed away. This is, you know, former pastor Albert Harden. They showed, they showed, they interviewed him, and he was he was gracious in his interview. He gave God the glory in it all. And there was another part of the little edited video that they done. Had a little creek run down by his house. He was down there by the creek after losing his wife in the fire hours earlier. He was down by the creek on his knees praying on that video. And then he's the age that he is now, and if somebody will take him, he goes. And, and, I, and I see that, and, you know, not trying to lift up a man. I'm just saying that man I has, and maybe he's not always, I've not been around him, I mean, every day of my life, and I, maybe he has bad days too, but every time I've been around him, he just seems to, personify this, what I'm thinking that this morning, a fullness of God. And then Ephesians chapter 4, pick up reading in verse 11, because of the sentence. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 11, if I can find my place here, there we go. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Based on what we just read right there, I mean, I know it's still part of the sentence, but see where I'm going? Based on the same premise like Brother Hall did with the Beatitudes, it's a building. We can't get to be ye be filled with the Spirit until we have these things. We've got to recognize where we're from. We've got to be holy. We've got to understand these things. We, you know, for, for the perfecting of the saints, he, he puts these things in here till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the, and, and that's been, been told a mature, a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're going to be Christ-like in our lives. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they light and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Speaking to the church there. But going back to verse number 14, <clears throat> that we may be, uh, yeah, be, uh, oh, yeah, be strengthened. Again, oh, back up. Verse 14 of chapter 4. Be no more tossed, and then I've jumped over to carried. Tossed to and fro and carried about. That's talking about maturity. You don't start out that way. But he has a desire to you to get there. That's why we need to protect our young saints. And that's why the devil will send the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormons by their house right after they get saved. Can we come in to you and have a Bible study? Because the devil knows that they're brand spanking new in the Lord. They don't know the word of God yet. They've not matured in that. And he'll send somebody with this. But he wants us to, to understand. He wants us to, to uh, that so that we, all these things prior to this, come to the, not, the faith, uh, unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto a measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more tossed or carried. He wants us to, again, that be... Speaks of being fixed. Standing. Unmovable. A few more things. Verse number 23 of chapter 4. And be, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's verse 23. Back up here. Let's go grab the sentence. Verse number 20. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in, uh, is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which, is after, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Be renewed. Renewed. That's what revival is about. Because we are leaky vessels. 
That's why even this, this message today, have we been filled? Hopefully, somewhere along the way. Are we filled today? Hopefully. Can you be if you're not? Yes. But there's some prerequisites here. Verse number 26. Right, let's keep on reading here. Verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. That's the end of the sentence. Be angry. We can be angry. And sin not. Be angry with sin. Be angry with what sin is, is doing to your family that are not saved. And being angry in that sense should drive us to something. If we, we're not going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about standing there and the putting on the whole armor of God. And I'm just telling you, if, if a soldier facing an enemy in battle don't have some indignation about him. But, the, you, know, you know, one of the, the big drivers in World War II, when you've seen the, the, um, the posters that, the, that was back here in the States, you know, the recruiting posters, you know, you're, you, save, you know, saving, saving the, the homeland, saving America, don't, you know, and all the, car, the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, propaganda cartoons, even then, you know, about, it was just trying to, to give the soldiers something to fight about. They didn't want Hitler and his, his doctrine here in America. They didn't want communism, neo-fascism, and all the other isms, communism, socialism, fascism come to the States. It come internally. It's here now. But they didn't want it back then. And they, were, they, they had some indignation, some righteous indignation, angry and sin not righteous indignation about them when they faced the enemy. You can just nonchalantly walk into a battlefield without any get up and gusto facing the enemy and you're going to die. <laughs> if you've got some determination about you, some indignation that's driving your determination, then... Hopefully you get the upper hand. So be angry. Be angry at sin. Be angry at the penalty of sin. Be angry at the wages of sin. Be angry at the consequences of sin in your children. And what's that going to do? It's going to cause you to get down on your knees and go to the throne of grace on your children's behalf. Verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So put away those and be kind. Be kind. Ephesians 5.1, be ye followers of God as dear children. Ephesians 5.7, be not therefore partakers with them. Who are we talking about? Ephesians 5, 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them. So be not partakers with children of disobedience. Ephesians five seventeen: Be ye 
Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So I put B, understanding. What are we understanding? God's will. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That should be a driver to us to go and evangelize and fulfill the, fulfill the uh, Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because we understand God's not willing that any should perish. So we understand God's will in that. And understanding God's will about being holy. Understanding about God's will about all these things. And then verse number 18, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So as we built upon, build upon, build upon, all until 518, and being filled with the Spirit, there's a lot of things that we are to be not and not to be, and some things that we ought to be. Of course, it starts out with holiness. And just understanding, again, where God has brought us from. And we are nothing without God. Paul had that understanding. I'm least among all my brethren. I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. And when we get that understanding of who we are, who we were in our sin, who we are in Christ, it says of children... Be partakers as children, as children, and understand the blessings of God that he, is, that he benefits us with day by day, and then the Spirit of God that he's given us to, and we just went through that in John 16, that he's given us, and then be very careful not to quench or grieve, but to be filled and have the desire to be filled with the Spirit, which will manifest as the Spirit does, the Spirit reproves. Our lives among the dark world will reprove because our light will reprove them without saying anything. They'll just say there's something different about him. Why? Because he's filled with the Spirit of God. It'll reprove those, those that are around us. It'll cause us, to, it'll cause us to want to heal. It'll cause us to want to, to be, you know, to be able to... Um, to, uh, to help others. It'll cause us to be glad. It'll cause us to light the way for others, to guide others in all truth, because we have the Spirit of God working in us, working through us, working out of us. But again, having that understanding that Christ in us, the hope of glory, the Spirit of God indwelling in us, and it's a mystery <laughs> that was manifested to Paul as he, and he penned it to the letters and these epistles that's now canonized in the Scripture that we might get understanding and we're to be all that. Help us to get more of an understanding and, you know, do I have all the whole grasp of it? No. Do I want? Yes. And, and just getting a desire, if I can, because my desire to seek God and the Spirit of God more in my life, if I can pass that on to the church as individuals, and then as individuals get filled, then the church can be filled, and we can do great things to His glory and to His honor. And that's my message today. Let's pray.